Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We're glad you joined us today. We're located in Collinsville, Virginia. At Smith Memorial, our motto is simple, follow Jesus. We'd like to encourage you to check us out online, www.smithmemorialumc.com. There you can find out more information about us, opportunities to serve, and ways to support this ministry through giving. We pray that God would add blessing this day to the hearing and the doing of God's Word. since we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, make us hunger for this heavenly food, that it may nourish us today in ways of eternal life, through Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from Galatians chapter 4. We'll pick up in verse 21, and we'll go through the first verse of verse 5. Tell me, tell me you who desire to be subject to the law, will you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, the other by a free woman. One, the child of the slave, was born according to the flesh. The other, the child of the free woman, was born through the promise. Now this is allegory, Paul says. These women are two covenants. One woman, in fact, is Hagar from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, the place Moses received the law. And corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children. But the other woman corresponds to the Jerusalem above. She is free. She is our mother. For it is written, rejoice, the child, you childless one, you who bear no children. Burst into song and shout, you who endure birth pangs. For the children of the desolate woman are more numerous than the children of the one who is married. Now you, my friends, are children of of the promise, like Isaac. But just as at that time the child was born according to the flesh, persecuted the child who was born according to the spirit, so it is now also. But what does scripture say? Drive out the slave and her child, for the child of the slave will not share in the inheritance with the child of the free woman. So then, friends, we are children, not of the slave, but of the free woman. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. These are the words of God for you and me, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Illumine our hearts and our minds, O God, to be receptive to what you would have to say this day. Place the cross in front of me. Let none see me but you and your grace alone. For we do pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and to the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. These are the familiar words of God to Abram, who would later become Abraham. An unexpected pagan from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. These words, spoken by God, are filled with the promise and power of a reality that God desires to bring through the people of Abraham. The reality that all, the of desire of God, to call one for the sake of many. Through you, Abraham, all of the families shall be blessed. Now, I can't quite imagine the weight such a statement would place on Abraham as he receives this message. So much for hanging out with my crew in Ur on the weekends. I've got God business to do. So much for taking care of my extended family in Ur. I've got God business to do. So much for building that dream house on my father's estate. I've got God business to do. I don't know if these are Abraham's thoughts, but they would have been some of mine. Some deity, some deity the people of my land had never worshipped before, has called me, poor, little, unexciting me and my wife Sarah, to be a vessel through which all of the world shall receive blessing. I better get my act together. I better get going on what God would have me to do. And like the typical couple on their honeymoon night, Abraham and Sarah are ready to start this process of making a fruitful nation. But wait. Oops. We might be disqualified for this job. Baby making really isn't our thing. In fact, when Abraham and Sarah receive news that they will be a numerous nation, that they will have offspring, they don't act all that reverent and faithful at all. In fact, they act the complete opposite. Like we do to our political enemies, Sarah laughs in the face of God. Newsflash! You came a little too late to this party, God. If you want a couple prime for baby making, you need to search out a different location because this factory is closed for business. For Sarah is barren. And yet, the weight of that promise still 
presses in from all corners. We must be the people through whom God blesses the world. And if this is going to happen, it's got to happen now. Come. Here is my maidservant Hagar, Sarah says. If this promise thing is going to work out, we better find a way to make it happen. And nine months later, this conflicted family welcomes Ishmael to the scene. After some time passes, God revisits Sarah. She's even older and even more barren. But God takes the divine act to initiate God's plan. He opens her womb and Sarah and Abraham have Isaac. And you all know the story from here. Ishmael and Hagar are sent away. Sarah and Isaac remain. The promise, albeit a little more challenged, is still in business. From Isaac is born Jacob. From Jacob, 12 sons or 12 tribes. From those tribes, one nation, Israel, who is to bear the promise of God given to Abraham, whose mother is Sarah. Or as Paul recounts in Galatians, at least it should be. But like every Mari show ever to air, Paul opens the secret envelope of Galatians with Jerusalem church and the false teachers in mind waiting to hear the news. You who abide by the law or the flesh, Sarah is not your mother. You have been Houdinied. You and your fellow teachers who find righteousness in the law and worship Sinai, the origins of its given, you have been tricked. For Sarah is not the mother of the law. Hagar is. For just as Hagar and Abraham's little act prompted by Sarah was according to the works of the flesh, so too is it with the law that requires your human effort to bring about the promises of God. For just as Hagar and Abraham's son, though loved, was still a slave according to Paul, so too are those born under the law and its demands, Paul says. Now it's important to remember that when Paul is speaking, he's not speaking to individuals. He's writing a letter to the churches that comprise the area of Galatia that have brought him so much joy in his ministry. Paul is writing to protect the gospel that he preached, the gospel that was revealed to him, a gospel that he must once again recall to false teachers. His motive in writing is to ensure the freedom that Christ gives and Christ alone. He is in, wants to ensure that the freedom that Christ gives is something that was given to his little fledgling church once and for all already. And to do so, Paul must problematize the waters to creating this notion of the two covenants that are being spread by two competing mission fields geared towards Paul's beloved Gentiles. The one coming from Judaizers from Jerusalem, 
people that insist that the law with all of its demands are still required for your righteousness before God. The other, the one that comes from Paul, insisting that everything that ever needed to be done for your righteousness has been done once and for all through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. One mission, Paul says, leads towards slavery. The other, to freedom. One, to the power of the flesh. The other, to the power of the Spirit. Churches in Galatia, Paul shouts, do not look down the road to your big brother church in Jerusalem that insists that something more is required of you. For they don't realize it. But the very shackles that Christ came to break for our freedom, they are trying to glue back on their legs again. If you want to look anywhere, look to the new Jerusalem, which is from above. For she is free. And as she is, so too shall we be to those who are in Christ. What Paul wants us to see is this, Christ plus anything or Christ plus law equals slavery. Christ plus nothing else equals freedom. So with the words of a wise Jewish teacher, Paul demands the young churches, do not anymore submit again to the yoke of slavery. You've already received the message from me. The yoke has been broken. Do not anymore submit to that yoke again. What an interesting phrase to end this section of Paul's argument. For some, when we hear the image of being yoked, we imagine the wooden cross piece that is placed over the heads of animals to keep them in line. Which is a good image for slavery. Forced to go wherever one is led by the one pulling the reins on the sleigh. But I wonder, what if there was a little more to be pulled out from the image that Paul uses of the yoke? You see, within Jewish culture, a rabbi's set of rules and lists, which was really that rabbi's interpretation of how to live the Torah or the law, was called the rabbi's yoke. So for instance, Paul, who was trained under Gamaliel, according to Acts, was under his yoke or his interpretation of the law. The early church in Corinth, whom Paul addressed after hearing of their quarrels, that one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, and another says, I follow Cephas, and another says, I follow Christ. They are holding tight to the custom of the yoke of interpretation. Who is it that we follow? Just like some of you today might say in a church that changes its pastors quite often, I am underneath the yoke of Cameron, or I am underneath the yoke of Bob, or I am underneath the yoke of Tilden. As long as it's not anyone called Joel Osteen, maybe that's okay. 
Each of these have their own demands to be under the yoke of. And what Paul wants to say is this. All of them lead to slavery. That's a humbling experience for me. To be able to say, those of you who say, I follow Cameron. If that's the case, you too are headed for slavery. But if you remember, there was once a rabbi who told all of his followers who were weary and heavy laden to come to him. Weary and heavy laden from what? From trying to make themselves righteous before God by dotting the I's and crossing the T's of the law. This rabbi said, come unto me, Christ says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, what the Gospels give witness to in the cross and what Paul proclaims in Christ's yoke is that you are no longer slaves. You are no longer slaves to try to figure out your own righteousness. You no longer, and for the sake of your righteousness, have to do X, Y, or Z. You are no longer slaves. But you follow the one whose yoke is easy, his burden is light. And for Paul, what does that look like? It looks like this. You are saved by grace through faith. You are not saved by what you do. No matter how hard you try. And if that is you, if you find yourself going home after this and saying, what more must I do? I, as the pastor, am giving you permission to say, stop it. Nothing more must you do that hasn't already been done in Christ. You are saved by grace through faith. No yokes about it. Paul writes what George Michael later sings, freedom. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.